So this week at interview with a wire, we received someone well known, um, worldwide, uh, Sammy Smith, a great competitor. Uh, she's especially uh, known for her nunchuck pass. She's a, she's a, she's a great person. We're talking about it off, uh, off on, uh, off air. And, uh, she was, uh, she really gave a lot of content. She talks, she tell anecdote. Uh, she's really a great guest to receive. Uh, she was generous with her answer. And uh, we go all around her parkour and martial arts. She started in Kempo, switched to Taekwondo. We talk about all the team that she does. Now she's with Paul, uh, Team Paul Mitchell, but she started with the uh, AKA team, the Team AKA. So it's really a, a big, big, big um, parkour for someone that age. And uh, so uh, it was really nice. We finished with the with competition uh, talk, and it was really great. And um, we do have a Patreon uh, uh, Blitz Quiz. So Manu. So if you want to say if you want to see the extra footage with the Queen of Chucks, you go to our Patreon. The link is right there. You subscribe. Uh, we have the English side of our Patreon. We have the French side. But if you read correctly, you can have access to both. Uh, if you subscribe at ten dollar a month, you have everything we produce, and we have new podcasts that coming out soon, especially in English. We have a new podcast coming out uh, so follow us subscribe to our youtube channel instagram follow sammy on instagram queen of chucks and uh, have a good podcast les cicatrices nous rappellent d'où on arrive les combos qu'on doit livrer quand le destin chavire guerrier on fera ce qu'il faut pour la famille cœur de lion oeil de tigre on a la paix dans la mire The battles are never ending, I know But we will get up and get on with the fight And we'll do whatever for what is right Just put your trust in us in us So this week at Interview with a Wire, we received someone from the US, uh, a well-known competitor in the NASCAR circuit in the sport martial art uh, karate. So uh, it's a really an honor and a pleasure to have you this week. So let's start that with a Sammy Smith, a nice guest. So uh, <laughs> thanks to come here today and take the time to uh, talk with us about your parkour and martial art. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I love to talk about martial arts because it's been my passion all my life. I'm sure I'm going to get into that later on. So I really love doing all these type of podcasts. I think it's like, a great way to talk about the sport. Uh, I'm super excited to be on the show. Yeah, thanks. And plus, uh, I feel like we uh, are so underrepresented in like the, the sport community. You know what I mean? It's uh, we know each other. But like if we talk about like that it, uh, to other people, they don't know us that much. Maybe maybe the bigger star, maybe you, Jackson, you know, but like uh, I feel like it's really an underrated uh, circuit still. So um, let's get into uh, your parkour right away. So when and where martial art comes in your life? Where, when did you start it? I started, well, when I was three years old, I love to tell a story because this is such a funny story. Um, when I was three years old, um, I don't know if in Canada, if you guys have this store, but um, in the United States, we have a store called The Gap. Um, it's kind of like a clothing store. And uh, I was three years old and I saw this commercial come on TV and it was this kid uh, just I didn't know what martial arts was at the time, but he was just spinning around and throwing some kicks and punches. And apparently, I don't remember this, but apparently I thought it was really cool. And every time the commercial would come on uh, on the TV, I would just like be drawn to the television and just watch it in like awe. Um, so that was when I was three. And uh, the cry school where 
my parents had wanted to sign me up, you had to be four to take classes at the time. Um, so I had to wait a whole entire year. And like, I was just, I guess, very anxious to get started in martial arts. And the day that I started was September 10th, 2001. So that was like 20 years ago. Um, yeah. Um, and, you know, I loved karate ever since that first class. Like, couldn't get enough of it. Like, would cry when I couldn't come to karate. Like, I was just so into that. That was like my life. Um, and as I, you know, started competing, you know, got on teams. Uh, when I was on this team called Team Pro Rank, which was my second team that I got on, there was this kid named James Solis, and he was, you know, really good back in the day, like awesome. And he actually was a kid that I saw in the Gap commercial when I was three years old. And now we were teammates like eight years later. So it was, like, I love to tell the story because it literally was like, it came around like full circle, like somebody who inspired me who had no idea, like what are the chances that I ended up becoming teammates with him like years later. So that's how I got started into martial arts. That's a really cool story, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm from Long Island, New York, and I've always been there all my okay. life. So yeah, that's where I started karate, a school on Long Island. East Coast. Uh, <laughs> and uh, what, what style did you start with in martial My, arts? The first style that I started in with that karate school I just talked about was a uh, Kempo martial arts. It was um, like a Japanese, Chinese Kempo. Um, and then mm -hmm. years later, like as I got my black belt, I wanted to like branch out and expand like my knowledge in martial arts. So I found a Taekwondo instructor. Um, and I ended up getting my third degree black belt through Taekwondo. So I have a black belt in Kempo and a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. Okay, that's <laughs> awesome. And w w did you start competi competing with uh, the Kempo school or when you uh, made the transition to the Taekwondo, you start more like uh, open your view on that? Uh, I started competing when I was five years old. So I was still with the first okay. school at this time. But when I was competing... Mm -hmm. It was, I was like on the school's competition team. So I was already doing like the CMX stuff. So when I went to like those local competitions, there wasn't, I wasn't doing like Kempo forms. The closest thing to Kempo mm -hmm. that I was doing was um, uh, self-defense, like that division. Uh, but everything else was nunchucks and open forms. And I don't believe I sparred at all, but not in the tournaments. I did at the karate school, but not in any tournaments. Um, so yeah, I've been competing for 19 years now. So it definitely wasn't something that I started later in my karate, uh, karate career. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. And uh, when you branch out to Taekwondo, this is when you decided to practice in nunchucks. Where did it come in your... No, I don't even remember the first time I had nunchucks in my hand. Like, I remember at the karate school, like the first one that I was talking about, the Kempo school, when I was on the competition team, there were these two brothers, like older kids, um, part of the team, and they would make homemade nunchucks. So that was actually my first pair of nunchucks. They were like homemade, but they were legit. Like they weren't like falling apart or anything like that. They were like good nunchucks, but they were made out of like PVC pipe from like uh, like a Home Depot. I don't know if you guys have that, but like a, like a store like that and like rope. That, those were my first chucks, not like the chain chucks that I'm using now. Uh, but yeah, I don't even remember the first time I had nunchucks in my hand. I think I was around five. So I was probably an orange belt at the time. And yeah, I've just 
that I mean, I've used other weapons like here and there, but obviously I'm, you know, known for nunchucks. So that's, that's like my main weapon of choice that I stick with. I told one of my um, parents today, uh, of martial art, uh, you sent me something and I was like, about, about a Paul Mitchell uh, competitor, Jackson put in the story today. And I was like, hey, I'm having uh, his uh, teammate today, Sammy Smith. He was like, oh, the queen of nunchuck. And I was like, uh, that's about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's because my Instagram name is queen of chucks. In case, oh, see, see. Me. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a pretty uh, fit title for you, anyways. Thank you. And thank you. when you grow up in martial art, who was your like role model? Because let's be honest, nunchucks are not the most popular weapon in tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, correct me right. if I'm wrong, but you see more often bow or katana or I don't even know, kama. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well. When I was hit, everything kind of all starts back at that first school. So when I was in that first school on the competition team, there was this girl who was also part of that competition team that had gone to the U.S. Open back in 2003. And she had brought back a um, like a DVD from the night show. And that's where I saw competitors like Taylor Lautner and, who you know, Twilight, Trackboy and Lava Girl, like, yeah, that, he's really what got me started into like the extreme stuff and the tricking um so that i saw taylor but then i also saw people like matt emig and daniel sterling um and you know fast forward a year the 2004 us open was my first nasca tournament that i went to and there i actually saw matt and daniel because they had just finished up their team sync division so i went up to them and i asked them if they could sign my 2003 us open dvd and that's kind of where i first had like a little bit of contact with matt and daniel um Daniel was actually the one who kind of set me up with Matt and I ended up working with Matt because at the time Matt also lived on Long Island in New York, like not too far away from me. So, you know, it was pretty easy to take lessons from him. And I was actually his first like real private lesson student. So, and he, he taught me Chucks from like, you know, obviously I knew a little bit about Chucks, but he really took my training to that next level. He put together all my first forms that I competed with, like for real, you know, in uh in nasca when i was a black belt and uh matt and matt emig and daniel sterling are really the ones who you know got me going and being super motivated and just wanting to become the best but it but daniel didn't do chucks daniel only did commas so daniel would help me with the open forms and uh matt would mostly help me with my chucks but he also helped me with my open forms as well mm. that's crazy and did you ever consider to study the more traditional part of nunchucks like kabuto and stuff like that um not really <laughs> i've always been like a i've always liked the flashy stuff a little bit more but at the same time i always believe that you should have good traditional martial arts because like flash really is trash without the basics so i do think that everybody you know should have a well you know like a good foundation in traditional karate But as far as nunchucks goes, I've always been more into the flashy manipulations, releases, finger rolls, hand rolls, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's what separates the, the, the good from the best when they do like an open form. If their stance is traditional and their, their hands going like all the way, not just like, you know, halfway. So yeah, I think a traditional is really the foundation to a good open. But at the same time, back in beginning of 2000, open form was still very new. So. Yeah, people like you and your teacher took it to the other level. And right now it's just crazy, you know? 
Yeah. The crazy part is that like uh, what you were saying before um, was when like I started, there weren't a lot of people doing nunchucks. Like it was, it wasn't like that popular. Um, and even though bow and commas are still a little bit more popular, like now in today's, you know, world, um, there's a lot more nunchucks too. Like a lot more nunchuck competitors and a lot of girls that are also doing nunchucks, which is really cool to see because like, like you guys were talking about nunchucks, wasn't really ever really popular weapon, but now it's getting a little bit more, you know, light. Now people are like, you know, like paying a little bit more attention to it. And honestly, not being biased here, but I'm going to sound biased. It should be because I honestly think that nunchucks is one of the hardest weapons because you got to keep, you got to keep them spinning. If you don't spin them fast enough, the chuck bends the, and it doesn't look as good. You have four sticks that you have to hold on to. There's just a lot. And sometimes when you throw it, it, the nunchuck has like a mind of its own. And if they're not weighted right, like you never know. There's a whole bunch of like factors that go into nunchucks. So I think it is a really hard weapon to use. And I'm glad that more people are using it and it's starting, you know, to get a little bit more recognition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. It's really harder. And um, have, did you start like with a long chain and, and then go with a short uh, chain? How, how does it, it come? No. My first chucks that I was talking about that are made of those PVC pipes, they had rope. They were rope. Yeah, 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 but in competition. Oh, but, you compete yeah. with them? No. Well, yes, okay. I did when I was in underbelt. But when I moved up to black belt, mm, I don't remember when I started using chain chucks. I think, I think I was a black belt for like a little bit and using rope chucks. But then I went into the chain chucks not too long after, I believe, I moved up to black belt. And... The, the, the chucks that I use now, they're three link nunchucks and I, I use the adult size now, which are 11 inch. But when I was little, this is actually kind of funny. Um, Mr. G, he's the owner of uh, G force weapon. Yeah. He would make me cause the chuck sizes would be nine inch, 10 inch and 11 inch. And the 10 was too small for me, but the 11 was too big. So he would make me a custom 10 and a half size nunchucks and he would call them uh semi size chucks so i thought that was pretty funny but i don't use them anymore i use the full size 11 inch three link um and since we're talking about nunchucks i might as well say this that i do have my own signature nunchucks um, that is awesome that was my next question so <laughs> yeah I, I, do have, i do have my own signature nunchucks that i sell um so if anyone's interested in that they can message me on my instagram They're pretty cool. And they are like the three link nunchucks and they come in nine, 10 and 11. So there's a pair for everybody on there. Okay. What's the, what's make them yours? Is it the weight, how they balance or what it is? The, the uh, style? The, the color. Yeah. The style, the color is pretty cool. It's a uh, green. It's hard to explain, but it's like uh green, orange and purple with some cracked ice. And it says Sammy Smith signature nunchucks, like on the bottom with like my little signature on it. So. Yeah, oh, but yeah, awesome. I, have, I have pictures of them. I use them on my Instagram, so you guys can go check that out. Oh, Manu's going to edit something. It's going to appear somewhere. Don't worry oh, about perfect. that. Okay. <laughs> Let's make it work. <laughs> right here. <laughs> yes, yes, that's perfect. And uh, have you ever considered like a switching? Uh, because as we say, it's a really hard uh, weapon. So have you ever considered like to go and do uh, some camo? Or like did you switch at some point? Or you always stick with the tunchuck? Yeah, so I've always used the nunchucks, but I would get a little bit bored sometimes. I think every competitor kind of gets a little bit bored of their weapon sometimes. And I wanted to switch it up, but at the same time, I didn't want to take away what I for what I was known for. So the extreme weapons and the musical weapons divisions, I would still keep my uh, nunchuck routines. 
But there were like some years that I wanted to just, you know, just have a little bit more fun. And for the creative weapon division, I would do, I've done commas a few times. Cause like I mentioned, Daniel Sterling, uh, he was really good at commas. So he uh, helped me learn, learn that weapon and he put together a form for me. And I actually won with it, so that was pretty cool. And then I also one year did uh, bow for creative weapons form. And I already had a little bit of a bow background because from when I was little, I would do the traditional weapons division and I would use the bow there. Um, so I already knew how to use the, the bow. Also, Lauren Kearney, another uh, person that was on Team Paul Mitchell, and actually Lauren is the current coach of Paul Mitchell, uh, she was my traditional weapons coach. So I had a pretty solid foundation in bow. And bow was like always the weapon that I like to play around with. Like in my li old li living room, I would like mess around with like the bow and my parents would get a little, you know, they would be worried that I would yeah. hit the TV and like, <laughs> Don't get too close from the TV. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, yes. that would be like the weapon that I would just play around with. Actually, I used to play around with double bow before it was even like mm -hmm. mainstream, like a thing, just because I honestly had two bows in my living room and I would just mess around with it. And then like, a year later, like people started using double bow, and I was like, "Oh, I've literally been messing around with this, but I'm not a bow competitor, so I never did yeah. it." <laughs> I should have brought it first, but yeah. uh, I feel like um, it was a, a really cool trend. But then a lot of people were still doing one bow because, let's be honest, it's faster. The tricks, maybe the tricks aren't aren't better than one another, but like you cannot have the same speed with two staff than one staff. I think personally, and that's why like. Good people like uh, Esteban Tremblay, Jackson, keep with one bow. So, you know, it's really cool to see. And it was uh, different and really, uh, like, unexpected, let's be honest. But uh, one staff is still, like, just faster. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think they're both great. I I do mm -hmm. agree with you. You can definitely go faster with a single bow. And now that people are doing double bow, it doesn't make single bow any less, like, cool. A single exactly. bow is still cool. It's just that... You know, now there's almost this, it's not a new weapon, but it kind of is when people are doing double bow. But yeah, there's some cool things that you could do with double bow that obviously you can't do with single bow and, you know, vice versa. But I think they're, they're both like different and unique in their own way. And as long as, you know, you're having fun and, you know, doing it with good solid technique, I think they could both be shown off really well. Yeah, and at that point, I prefer, um, it's me, I prefer double sword. Double katana is just like, you know, with Kalman, who democratizes oh, yeah. it. It's just, I'm like, wow, I, I, I prefer two sword, like Leonardo, Ninja Turtle stuff. Yeah. Like, like, that is just me. Yeah, uh, moving on to, um, awesome. yeah, yeah, Kalman is an <laughs> awesome guy. I met him once in a competition in Quebec, and he was such a gentleman, really a nice guy. Cool, cool dude. Um, moving on to the next topic. So you talk about your second um, uh, team that you got on. How does it come? Like, let's talk to your first team and then where you are now. I think it's spoiling with your team Paul Mitchell uh, t-shirt. But yeah. where did you start and how do you got on your first team first? Yeah. So I, when I first started competing, I was just representing my school team. So it wasn't like, it wasn't a sport karate team. It was just my karate school that I would wear. And not too long after I moved up to the black belt division, you know, I think I was like pretty good, you know, good enough to be recognized just a little bit. Although, like, you know, it was a little bit rough for me at first when I moved up, I was getting fifth places a lot, fourth, thirds. It took me a while to actually win. But once I kind of, you know, scratched the surface and winning in black belt, um, John Sharkey from team AKA uh, was the first 
person to invite me on to um, a team. So that was my first team that I went on. And from there, I'm sure you know um, Tyler Weaver. You know who Tyler Weaver is? He was yes. also part of Team AKA. Um, and that's when we became, you know, closer friends. And uh, we just kind of knew each other uh, since that point. He was one of one of my first NASCAR friends that I had. And then not too long after that, like a year later, Tyler got asked to be on Team Pro Rank. And like I mentioned, uh, eventually I end up going to Team Pro Rank. So I kind of followed, not really on purpose, but I kind of followed Tyler in that. Um, but at the time, you wanted to be on, like, there was two teams that you really wanted to be on. Of course, Team Paul Mitchell. That's always, like, at the top. And it's, been, it's been at the top of my, my list since I was seven when Matt you, would make me write my goals out. ever since Because Matt was on Paul Mitchell. Daniel was on Paul Mitchell. All the people that I looked up to and watched on the DVD for the most part from the U.S. Open were on Paul Mitchell. So I knew that that was the team that you wanted to be on. But if you weren't on Paul Mitchell – at the time, and this is like 2007, you wanted to be on this team called Team Pro Rank because I think it was like right there with Paul Mitchell. Um, and uh, Mike Kelly, he was the owner of Pro Rank, and uh, he asked me if I wanted to be on that team. And I think it was a really good fit for me. It was a really, it was like a, it was a good move for me. So I went to that team. And from there, I was introduced to Marcel Jones and, you know, a lot of these old school people that I'm not sure if like, you know, the viewers nowadays will know who I'm talking about, but uh, I feel so the old. OG will know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, these are like, like, it's crazy for me to say back in the day because it makes me sound old. It's not that too far back, but now in comparison to today, it is back in the day. Um, so Marcel Jones, he was the captain of the team. Um, he was amazing at creative um, and so sharp with his hands. Um and I did, uh, I was part of the demo team uh, for Perrank, and I got on my first US Open stage from Team Demo. And I was on Perrank. US for Open. A that one is on TV, right? On, in the US? Yes, yes that's yeah. the one that um, ESPN2 usually uh, covers. So mm -hmm. it's like the most like crazy tournament. Like, that's. Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation, but. Uh, yeah, yeah but, okay, we're going to come back to that later. Don't worry. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on Team Pro Rank. It was a great team. Um, but as time went on, people kind of, uh, you know, the team got smaller. People kind of fizzled out. They went their own ways. The team kind of died down. Um, so it was time to find a new team. And Mr. G, the owner of G-Force, he asked me if I wanted to be part of Team G-Force. Um, and I went to that team. And I was on that team for a fair amount of time, I believe maybe four years, maybe a little bit more than that or less. Not really sure, but somewhere around that time. And then um, right before the 2015 U.S. Open, uh, Lauren Kearney, uh, she called me and she asked me if I wanted to be on Team Paul Mitchell. And I could not believe it because after 17 years of mm -hmm, <laughs> trying to get on this team, I finally got on the team and it just felt like super surreal and yeah, Paul Mitchell, Paul Mitchell forever. That's it. There's no more. <laughs> Just Paul and then Mitchell. it's been like six years with them, if my math is good. So yeah, that yeah. is awesome. So now are you one of the older in, in the team member or how does, like, yeah. where are you in the hierarchy? Um, well, without Jackson, um, he, he didn't compete at Diamonds, but I'm sure he's still competing. But let's say like uh, Jackson, um, you know, 
after Jackson, I'm next and how like I am the oldest on a team now, but Jackson is technically the oldest on like on the team, like how many years he's been on. Um, as far as age wise, I'm the oldest and then like I said, I'm second to Jackson in the hierarchy, I guess you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Whatever it is. It yeah. is, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah just, now uh, everyone, everybody else is uh, – there's some new people on the team now, but, yeah, I, I feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like me, I'm, I'm 25, and I'm, I'm like, uh, in Canada, and so, yeah, I feel old too, and I'm like, damn. it's But it's because people usually uh, stop competing at, like, 17, 18 because school got too serious or they go into martial arts like 100%. So that's why you're like 25 and you're an old timer already. It's like, God damn it, uh, <laughs> mid-20s and you're like, man, most of people wasn't there anymore and the, like people are coming. So yeah, it's a really weird situation, right? <laughs> For sure. I feel your pain. I'm 24 and I feel like I'm just super old. <laughs> Yeah, but we we still in we still in, and yeah. uh, do do um so what what do you do like a uh, except competition do do you have like a, do you want to like to have a dojo have a student how how does it goes uh, outside competition for you with karate for how sure um, so I went to college for exercise science I graduated with a bachelor's uh, I graduated college two years ago in 2019 um, and my my goals kind of changed like a little bit throughout school. At first, I wanted to um, go to PT school because I wanted to be a physical therapist. Uh, but as I went through the classes, I kind of realized that I like the strength and conditioning side more to my major. Um, so that is that has been something that has been super helpful also to my training because you need to be strong to be powerful in the division. So they kind of like coincide with each other. So that's really cool that I could mm -hmm. go to school for something that I could use for my own training. It was like, mm -hmm. kind of like I had an edge in a way, but not really, but you know, I had some knowledge. That <laughs> but see, <didn't> have. <laughs> that's something I hate when people hate on um, open form, you know, on, um, on, 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 on the internet. It's like, they're not effective. Man, do you know how much strength it took to do a backflip or angel and go like up in the air? Their legs are crazy powerful. Like if they do a turn back kick or side kick, they're going to destroy people. It's just people overrated it because they don't do it. You know, they don't put time and effort. But like me, I have, um, I have kids who does all them traditional fight and open and each division is just as hard as the other one. And it takes courage to do backflip as much as a punch when you have the chance to be counterside. You know what I mean? So sure. it's really, I think just people don't know what it takes because they don't do it. But yeah, open people are, are not to mess with. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, sure. yeah, it's a really hard conditioning, core strain and everything, the, the leg. And yeah, yeah, you have all my respect. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it definitely is like a full body sport and there's always mm -hmm. that risk of injury. Like every time like oh, yeah. trick, there's always that possibility that we're going to land wrong. Something's going to happen. It's it's not as easy as a lot of people think. And yeah, there are a lot mm. of, um, as people would call keyboard warriors uh, that like to <laughs> make fun of us, but it's okay. Everyone's a pedal. I like that. I like that. Keyboard warriors. Wow. <laughs> Never heard um, that one. <laughs> Well, there you go. Now you can uh, use that uh, to describe those people, but it's okay. Like mm -hmm. I said, everyone's entitled to their opinion, um, but mm -hmm. it's harder exactly. than people think. Um, but yeah, yeah but what I was going with before is that I went to school for strength conditioning, so that's something I have an interest in, and I would like to own my own martial arts studio, hopefully in the very near future, and incorporate strength and conditioning um, into that. I, like my dream 
facility is to have like a spring floor where I could be teaching karate and tricks. And then like off to the side, like a turf with like some machines and strength and conditioning stuff like oh, that. I would love that. So hopefully, you know, I'll be the dream. Hopefully, maybe I don't know how long it will take me, but I would love to come back to this podcast and be like, wow, I really did that. I talked about that here and now like it's crazy because it's happening. So I'm well, gonna do it. <laughs> uh, I listened to, you know, motivation video when the first step is to say it, write it and imagine it. If you have it in your mind and you work hard enough, you're going to bring it to reality. I don't doubt it. And like... Uh, for real, all it take me, I have two dojo here. I started the, my first one was almost 18, 17. And all you need is money for real, like uh, money and you opened it. And then you're such a, a big name, I guess. So like people's going to come to you when it's going to go well. So don't worry about that. Just, you know, put money aside, buy, buy some mats because mats are expensive and, uh, <laughs> and some yeah. machine. And, and there you go. I'm sure uh, you have everything to make the perfect uh, combination. Thank you so much. Yeah, I already started looking at like how much things would cost and to uh -huh. own a studio, it is quite expensive. So definitely. It is, it is. But but it's good. it's so worth it. Like the, like I've been saying, like this is my passion. I don't know oh. anything else really, just martial arts. So I'm yeah, destined same. to have my own studio. <laughs> but yeah. Nah, you just you just wake up, you have your private lesson, me, I have the podcast, you have the course in the, at night, you have the exam on the weekend, the competition, the seminar. It's just it's a nice life when you love that. You know, it's just a, it, it is a perfect dream. <laughs> For sure. And it doesn't feel like work too, because you enjoy it. So exactly, exactly. I'm never like, oh, I'm gonna go teach. It's like <laughs> I'm gonna go see kids that just want to be like us, you know. So it's really a nice job. It's uh, it give you fuel, you know. Like uh, the 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 more excited they are, the more better the better the, my class is because I have more energy to give them. So yeah, it's it's really awesome. Yeah. And uh, you talk about injury. Did you ever suffer from uh, some of it, like a knee or something? Because uh, oh, the back. Yeah. Uh, how does oh, it happen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us that. Body is like probably a little messed up. Um, well. If we go in order of what I know, I'm sure I have things in my body that I don't even know are like wrong, but it's fine because I'm still <laughs> able to do stuff. Because we don't quit. <laughs> yeah, we don't quit. But, um, well, you know, I've pulled muscles before and stuff like that. That's nothing. You know, that's like baby stuff, pulling muscles. Yeah. But, um, yeah one time in competition, uh, and this video is on YouTube, if you can find it, uh, I, did, I was doing a beat twist cork. And mm -hmm. my foot got stuck on the mat and I like totally just ate the floor, face planted, mm. super embarrassing and broke my toe. So that was mm. like my first and that was actually, I don't want to jinx myself, but that was the only time I broke um, a bone and it was in competition. It was just a small pinky toe, but that was my first broken bone. Um, so that was that one. Um, then I found that I have a herniated disc in my back. So that Magic. is <laughs> while you know i just feel it and you can't really do much about that but strengthen your back because once the disc is like out it's out like you know can't really put it back in um mm. so i have a herniated disc um i was training a cork and i landed a little bit wrong and i tore some cartilage off the bottom of my knee i still don't know if i tore my meniscus i think i kind of had a slight tear but it wasn't like enough to show up on an mri but i did have uh cartilage um Kind of missing from underneath my knee and probably my worst injury was two almost two years ago i was trying this tr not trying i can do it but i was trying to make an instagram 
sampler. It was all for the Instagram because I literally did this move like right before and I didn't film it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to film it. So I post on Instagram. It was a cartwheel um, uh, grand master swipe. So it's kind of like a swing through flash kick, but you're sideways. And I went a little bit too much upside down instead of to the side. And my ankle like pretty much like went forward like that. The video is on my Instagram. Um, I'll definitely forward it to you guys after. So if you want to that you guys um and i heard a big snap and you could hear it in the video too and i thought i broke my ankle yeah sorry it's gonna be a little cringy wait till you see the video um i thought i broke my ankle and i didn't know like what happened and i was in my training room that was uh, in my old house and i ran upstairs to my mom and i was like i think i broke my ankle and then as like time went on i started to get into like more and more pain and my ankle was like hot and it was just swelling up into like the biggest ball like ever. And that was a mess. So what ended up happening was I didn't break my ankle, like the bone, but I was better off doing that. Cause what I did was I had three partially torn ligaments in my ankle, one in the front, one in the side, one in the back. So pretty much my whole entire ankle. And that I had, I had to do tons of PT and I was trying to compete at this one tournament and I couldn't. So it was killing me. Like that was the frustrating part that I couldn't compete. Um, I was just in so much pain. I was getting sharp pain. Every time I thought I was getting better then I, then I would like do something and I would feel it again. So, and then I was, I was training and I kind of landed a little bit funky and I heard that same pop again. So I kind of re hurt the injury. And the bad thing about ankles is once you like, hurt them they're just so easy to just keep hurting they, they're never the same once you hurt them like one time that's it they're like it's yeah it's not a bone that you broke and it comes yeah. stronger you know like you cannot break yeah. it twice but yeah oh uh, damn that's unfortunate yeah, sure. and then so that was my worst injury and then kind of it's not really funny but it's kind of funny now um yeah. four diamonds this past um year like a month or so ago i was training um in my garage uh with chucks and I guess I was going like so hard. I clipped myself like with my nunchuck in my head. And, and I've hit myself in the head with the, my chucks like plenty of times. I have like a bruise underneath my eye that's been there for years from the chuck. So that's no big deal. Sorry if you guys hear my dog barking. Um, <laughs> but uh, back to the story. Um, I hit my head super hard and my whole side of my skull started to swell up. Like I've never hit it that hard before in my life. Wow. And my mom was so concerned. Uh, we ended up going to the hospital that night. <laughs> um, it, nothing ended up really happening, but it was really scary because of how much my head just swelled up. And that was literally a week before diamonds. And no one knows that story. You guys are the first to actually know that. Um, wow. Besides like people like are, that are around me. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, went to the hospital a week before diamonds um because i hit myself really hard with my nunchucks yeah and how the diamond went did you uh, did you compete did you did well yeah. uh i did i did good uh i thought i hit really solid forms and you know uh you kind of just leave it up to the judges to decide uh so i I was trying to make history at that tournament because uh i have seven diamond rings and the max amount of diamond rings is eight so i was trying to win eight or even beat the record at nine unfortunately i came up short i didn't win any this year uh but i'm still proud of my forms i think i hit really solid forms um the competition is just good 
Um, yeah. But yeah, and I was no trying. one can say just seven rings, and you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's still a lot of ring, more than one hand, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have the, I have like, I'm have the second most. There, so like I said, max is eight. I'm right under at seven. Um, so you are the one of the, the most for women. You win uh, uh, Caitlin Michelle, I believe she has eight. So I'm oh. under her, but I do have the most weapons. Diamond rings. That's it. I think. Pretty sure. That's it. Um, but yeah, so I have a record in that, but I wanted to really, you know, set the record, but my head was fine. I just, you know, that was just a crazy thing that happened. <sighs> uh, so in the podcast, before, before I leave for a moment, we talk about the fact that you are, you are active on Instagram. So I don't know if you guys talk about it when I, I was forced to leave for a moment, but, um, I just want to heard you about the um, about that. I mean, you know, uh, when we check the gram, uh, most of the the influencers, um, it's not always a positive image for the youngins, you know. But I found yours really interesting, really positive, really. You're like a good role model for young girls to follow. And are you? Uh, do you do it like consciously, or is just who you are? Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. I always like, I, because of, you know, who I am in the sport, I always have to keep that in mind. Like, first of all, you should always be a good person. <laughs> But I also know that I have like a following and I know that a lot of people look up to me. Um, so in the back of my mind, that's, I always have to question like some things that like, I might post, but now I probably shouldn't because of like the people that look up to me. Um, But for the most part, like everything I post is like, I don't have to worry about that because that's just me. I don't really, I know what you're saying. And it is kind of like a shame, like, especially this day and age, there's a lot of crazy things that you see on Instagram and it's not always positive. And if we're being honest, like I see a lot of things on my Instagram that bother me um, because like I, I mentioned uh, to Jeremy, like I Uh, went to school for exercise science so I'm super big into fitness and a lot of the things that you that you see like fitness people posting are like super fake and is not realistic and then it makes you feel like you're you're not good enough because you don't look like this person even though you're in the gym like trying super hard so I've come to realize that that a lot of the things that you see are not real which is a shame so I try to be as realistic as possible on my Instagram uh I, you know, I post like a few fitness things like here and there, but it's just 100% me um, and relatable to my martial arts. Um, yeah, my, my Instagram is just mostly karate, honestly, like that, like I've been saying, that's my life. A few selfies here and there, but yeah, what I post on Instagram is 100% me and I, I, I uh, know my following and I respect my following and that, that that's who I am. That's why I am this way because of, you know, just my life and the people that follow me. So I keep that in mind, but I wish Instagram would be a better place, but unfortunately it's not always the best sometimes. Yeah, exactly. But it's good that you are, you, you think about that and it reflects on how you manage it. I mean, it, it's good that there's young women out there uh, that try to uh, uh, give a good image of self uh, without going, you know, over sexualized and stuff like that. Exactly. It's, it's really nice, especially in martial arts uh, that, uh, that we have to be, I think a good role model for our students and for the other uh, younger students that follow us and stuff. So it's, mm -hmm. it's nice to see that. 
yeah and plus i like to use my instagram as like like i've been posting like like the last reel that i posted was kind of funny it was uh like i did a trick and i started in gym clothes and then i finished the trick and i and i ended in regular clothes um so i just tried to like kind of like play with like different like fun things like that and i would like to also start using my instagram to post like nunchuck tutorials uh for people i used to do that in the past but i stopped doing that but i kind of want to get back into that um so yeah like i've been saying i just i would like to use it as like just a place where people can just watch me do chucks and tricks and stuff like that and also learn some stuff and have you ever come to to canada to giving seminar for tournaments and stuff um I've never done a seminar in Canada. I've done seminars before, but I've never been to Canada to do a seminar, but I would definitely come to Canada to do a seminar. Let's go. We're going to we're going to make this happen. But you uh <laughs> do it. Do it. I'm not sure but, how with the borders and COVID now, but for sure when COVID it's possible. It's a yeah, bit it's more easy. complicated than before, of course, but I mean it between US and Canada, it's It's easier yeah, but, than between some uh -huh. other time. But since November, it's really much easier. Me, I just came back from WKC World Championship and it cost me a hell of a lot of money because the borderline wasn't open to, for cars. So I had to go there through plane and usually flights are cheap, but it cost me like over 600 bucks to go to Florida, which is insane. But right now, like when I came back from Florida, boom, open. So right now it's more easy than, than before. So if you want to come, come see us. But I um, but yeah, my, my student took a picture with you at the Toronto um, uh, Toronto Martial Open from a Mike Palti. That that's where you had your your leg uh, in some sort of a injury, yes. you know. Yes, that's so, from that bad injury that I was just talking about. I had my foot. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. That happened a week before that tournament. That injury. Oh damn, damn! Yeah. And you still went through Toronto, just like you had student or friend. Like where, 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 yeah. where? Why did you go? Sorry. Well, I was all set to compete. I was, I was registered. Mm -hmm. And this literally happened, like, actually it happened the week of the tournament. Like, I'm pretty sure it happened on, like, a Tuesday and the flight was, like, Thursday. I'm pretty sure. Something like that. Or maybe it was, like, the week before. But it was definitely, like, close in time. So I had already everything. I had the flight. I had the, um, the division. So I might as well just went. But it killed me to not compete. But it was cool to see everybody there. And plus I had a few students there. So it's always great to, you know. Um, not now I'm not worried about competing so I could kind of relax and watch my students because you know a lot of times you don't really get to see as much as you would hope uh, but uh, it was cool to just you know see a little bit more of my students there so it was fun to go even though I was broken <laughs> mm -hmm. oh yeah and my student like just for an example you know he, he watched YouTube like all the kids and seeing you was just awesome even though like you weren't competing he was like I saw Sammy's man I was like yeah I know I saw the picture dude but uh, yeah he was really overexcited by that so it's oh, cool too that's so cute yeah you made a move Yeah. And um uh did you I'm sure but let, let's talk about it. How do you find a Quebec Open? Like uh, it's 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 our only NASCAR here. So uh what do you think about that one? Like I have read, I have heard a lot of people saying like it's one of the greatest night show all from all the NASCAR tournament. How do you uh, find it? Yeah. So um Quebec was just part of the um circuit. Like the NASCA circuit has like all these tournaments in the calendar. So the Quebec Open was part of it and Matt always went to it. Like I've always been hearing about it through my instructors. I believe my first Quebec Open was 2005. I don't know if I was an underbelt or a black belt. I'm not sure. I think I was a black belt at the time. My first Quebec was 2005, I believe. 
Oh, oh my god, I don't even remember. So, but yeah, it was like so far somewhere back. there, <laughs> somewhere around that time. Um, and yeah, I loved Quebec. I thought it was such a cool tournament. That was my first tournament not in the United States, so that was another like oh, cool wow. aspect of the tournament. Um, and the night show has always been so awesome because it feels like it's more than a martial arts tournament. We've got like the fog machine, the dancers, like the entertainment. Plus, I'm pretty sure the promoter um, would like just hand out tickets like as it was a regular show like not as like a karate tournament so that drew like a different type of crowd now there was people who didn't mm -hmm. know anything about martial arts watching it so like they were really entertained when they would see people flip and everything like that yeah um i will never forget um I it was 2010 uh quebec open i believe that was like the biggest quebec open because when i was on stage i heard somebody say I don't know if this is 100% true, but there was like 7,000 people in the crowd, like something crazy like that. And that's yeah, when it's like, possible. it was yeah. like all around, like in the bleachers and everything in the big room. Now they kind of moved it um, the past few years to like a smaller room, but mm -hmm. it's still cool. Like that doesn't take anything away from the tournament. Quebec is one of my favorite tournaments. So sad that it didn't happen this past year and because of covid mm -hmm. but i'm really hoping that it comes back in 2022 hopefully um because yeah. i would definitely love to come back to quebec such a such a cool tournament yeah thanks and uh, <laughs> so let's let's wrap it up maybe a little bit with the u.s open like as you say it's one of the biggest it's on tv on espn so that's this kind of huge so what was uh, your first time that you you tell us but like the first time you did and the first time you compete and you win it, I guess, uh, how, how did it win? Uh, well, like I, like I mentioned earlier that us open 2004 was my first NASCAR tournament and I was an underbelt. Um, my first time on the stage was part of the demo team for pro rank like years later. But then my first time on the stage for myself was in 2010 and I always wanted to be on the US Open stage and I finally got on the stage and I actually kind of won, but I was tied. Me and um, Jacob Pinto, I'm sure you know who Jacob Pinto is. Yeah, we tied each other um, and then even dropping the highs and the lows, we were still tied. He ended up winning because I think he had more nines. It was something like that or the middle judge, center judge went with a nine with him. Uh, so that was a little upsetting because, but it was still cool because it was like my first time and I didn't even expect to win. I was just happy to be on the stage, uh, but almost won my first time. And then I did end up winning a couple other times on the U.S. Open stage. And like I said, it, it's on ESPN too. It's super nerve wracking. It's like really stressful, but like in a good way. But it, it definitely brings out like the best in the competitors because everyone always upgrades their form for the U.S. Open because of you know everything surrounding it so the difficulty is always up the competition is always harder um and it's in the middle of our season too so it's kind of like a like we're not new into the season so at that point you do have to upgrade because people kind of already know what you're doing so you don't want to be doing the same stuff so so you kind of try to you know be a little bit more creative around that time uh so that your forms are better um but yeah i have two isk world titles um, from the U.S. Open, one in forms and one in weapons. Wow, that is insane! Good job, congrats! Yeah, and uh, yeah, pressure McDiamond, you know. <laughs> and uh, do you know how many people see it, like uh, on TV or stuff like that? Like you know, rate how, uh, like how many? I don't know. Um, no, uh... but they do. They they um, 
not this past year, but in previous years, they've live streamed it on ESPN three. So there was mm-hmm. a lot of crowd to like, you know, what you were doing in that moment was also on TV, which, which also like just makes you a little bit more nervous. Um, and then they rebroadcast that show. Like once they edit it and everything like that, like later on ESPN too, but I have no idea like how many people actually watch it, but, um, kind of funny, like a couple months ago, um, somebody was in like Texas roadhouse. Like that's a restaurant that we have here. And Mm -hmm. the U S open from like a few years ago was just randomly playing. And there I was, like, on the TV. So, like, you never know. It's just, like, rebroadcast at, like, random mm-hmm. times. So that's kind of cool. You never know, like, when you're just going to pop up on the television. But, yeah. Yeah, you're, like, with your friend eating. And, hey, that's me on the TV. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So I wasn't there. Like, somebody tagged me in on Instagram. Um, but, yeah, that, wow. that, that's always cool. So That is a nice story to end a podcast, I think. We're not going to take much time uh, of your day. Thanks for giving us like almost an hour. It was really a nice podcast. Thanks for coming. And it was an insane time. Thank you a lot. We will keep you for a few more minutes for the Patreon. So if you want to see the rest of the interview with Sammy, uh, go subscribe to our Patreon. And the link is something somewhere here. See you. (laughs)